Hey, what's going on, everybody? I'm AJ, and I'm going to break down UFC 254 in full. Before doing that, I would like to let you all know that if you'd like to uh, tail the bets that I placed for the events, which includes uh, a couple of them as I'm at the time of recording this, and I'm also going to place one more. I'm just waiting for the odds to drop. And uh, yeah, so three plays. You could uh, purchase my my plays, tail them at MMAOddsBreaker.com on the premium pick section or my website, AJ's Action Pack Sportsbets.com backslash premium hyphen subscription tab. Also uh, on betmma.tips backslash Anthony S364. That is a third party tracking site that I use uh, to track all my bets that I place for mixed martial arts. And uh, I just started adding the written rationale <clears throat> to there, just literally copy and paste uh, the exact same rationale that I send everybody via email into there. Uh, so everything is transparent and you get, um, you know, not just a bet that I placed, but the reason why uh, fairly in depth. And uh, to my understanding, <laughs> good enough to not warrant any uh, additional questions on why I made uh, XYZ decision. So looking to close out the year 2020 strong, and uh, it's going to start with this event. It's at my goal, actually, for the rest of the years to win every single uh, event here. Um, some might say that that's bold or that's reaching high. Look, I mean, you could do every, anything that you want to if you uh, just, you know, trust yourself and trust your process and just... Uh, just really stick to it and just, you know, have unshakable uh, faith that you'll get there and, uh, you know, have a course of action as to how you get there. So, look, I'm going to try it. Um, I'm going to try my absolute best. And uh, that's my goal. So looking to close out the year strong and uh, let's get right down to business, shall we? So UFC 254, um, excellent card from top to bottom. Obviously, we've got the, the main events between Justin Gaethje and Habib Nurmagomedov, which is just tremendous. And yeah, but we start off the night with Yoel Alvarez taking on Alexander Yakovlev. Um, there's been some action kind of coming in on Yakovlev here. I'm recording this here on Monday. It's about 6.30 p.m. Central Standard Time. And I, I understand it. I mean, I understand it from the standpoint of I just I don't think uh, Alvarez is really that proven. I think that he's got a ways to develop to be. Um, you know, like a contender, like a fringe top 15 guy in this division, especially considering what we're talking about, the lightweight weight class here, right, which has just a tremendous amount of talent, including the two guys that I just mentioned uh, moments ago, Habib and Gaethje. Um, So he's just, I think, got a lot of liabilities, does Alvarez, and potentially Yakalev could exploit them, but let's just start off with him. So basically, he strikes me as just a guy that he's just very like long for the weight class and he doesn't particularly leverage it well. Uh, but when you have a, a length advantage on the less, you have longer arms, you're able to, in some striking exchanges, hurt, hit your opposition uh, more so than, than they, they can hit you. Uh, you're taller than them. So if you get in top position, uh, you could leverage that length. And in Alvarez's case, he is like a, a submission guy, submission grappler. That's how he's won a lot of his fights is uh, via – uh, whether it's submission on the ground or by TKO, like we saw in his uh, sophomore uh, appearance in the UFC against uh, Danilo Bellowardo. Excuse me. But, uh, you know, other than that, and the fact that he utilizes some good low kicks and he is developing fight to fight, I just think that, you know, this is potentially a tougher matchup for him in that his takedown defense isn't good. In fact, it's it's on the bad side, I would say he's been taken down easily and every time he's been shot on in the UFC, you know, taken down easily by a duck under a uh, double leg by Joe Duffy. Uh, of course, shortly thereafter, he got the guillotine choke, but I'm not, you know, necessarily expecting that to happen on a fight to fight basis that he just gets taken down and gets a guillotine right away. Um, and even if you want to look at the Danilo fight, he was taken down easily in round one with a double leg, but it 
by Danilo. And he was controlled for the rest of the round after Danilo took him down for a couple minutes. And then in the second round, uh, he was taken out easily again by Danilo. And then eventually he was able to reverse him on the ground. Um, not the most uh, proficient reversal I've seen, but he reversed him nonetheless. And he was able to get uh, a ground and pound stop, which it just didn't look like Danilo uh, was really defending there uh, adequately all ad adequately at all. Excuse me. <clears throat> And in terms of his striking, his you know striking defense, he just doesn't really move his head off the center line. His head, his head is high, uh, chin is high in striking exchanges. Uh, he's susceptible to counters. Um, he's very hittable in the pocket, where his hands are low um, and his head is on the center line. Like I said, so that's why in his UFC debut, Demir Ismagulov was just a bad stylistic matchup for him. And um, I'm not expecting Yakovlev to you know have a, a masterclass striking performance on the feet like Ismagulov did against Alvarez, but what Yakovlev can do to win this fight is wrestle. Uh, I do think he's a better wrestler. I know that Yakovlev is getting up there in age. I do think that from the footage that I've seen, he is uh, seemingly regressing on an athletic standpoint, but uh, he does come from a uh, you know, a wrestling background. He's got double double leg slam takedown capability against the fence, like he showed against De Silva. Um, he's got body lock takedown ability. He's even got ankle pick takedown ability. And um, he has just, as you could probably guess, being the more uh, established UFC fighter, has just fought the much higher level of opposition in the UFC. Um, and I do think that, yeah, like even though he's, you know, up there in age, he's 10 years younger than, than De Silva from an MMA perspective, that is. Uh, he, um, you know, I do think he his wrestling is good enough to get the fight to the ground. And, you know, Nakulov, he has been submitted in the past. That is the worry. He got submitted by Zach Cummings. Um, I just don't think that Alvarez is as threatening of a submission grappler as Cummings is. And look, the Duffy submission, it's impressive on paper. Duffy's a very good grappler, but um, it was kind of perplexing, to be honest. I thought it was more so a, a mistake on Duffy's part. He left his neck out. Uh, during the takedown attempt and Duffy, a strong submission grappler, just he could have passed uh, to half guard there. Uh, it was open and he chose not to, didn't really fight hands. And as a result, he tapped out. And that's possible here. You know, Yakovlev, I have seen him leave his neck out uh, when going for takedown sometimes. So perhaps it gets it gets snatched up. But more than likely, I do think that uh, Yakovlev here could land takedowns and get some top control time. And, you know, win rounds that way. He's not the most threatening from top, top position. He's more of like a ground and pound guy uh, rather than purely just pass your guard effortlessly and, um, you know, get a submission or something like that. But, uh, you know, that could win rounds if he's just, you know, doing enough on the feet and getting some top control with the takedowns. That could be enough to win rounds uh, on the feet. He's just pretty rudimentary is Yakovlev. He doesn't really. Uh, stand out a lot. He doesn't particularly have a, a lot of one punch KO power. He's fairly technical, but there's not a whole lot of layers to his uh, to his striking. You know, he checks low kicks, which will help him in this matchup because, like I said, Alvarez throws him. He even utilizes low kicks of his own, um, and he will actually be able to mitigate the usual uh, size advantage that Alvarez has because Alvarez, tall guy, is buff six feet tall, which is huge for lightweight. Uh, Yakovlev. Same height, potentially bigger frame. Yakovlev, a gentleman who had fought at 170 pounds in the past, because uh, remember, this fight is at 155 pounds. So potentially he could be able to mitigate that uh, usual uh, lever, uh, the length that Alvarez has, length and size, um, that he that he say would have had in those other matchups. So um, I'm not really saying that Yakovlev is going to win the fight on the feet. He's not particularly trustworthy on the feet either. Um, I do think that he... Uh, more than likely he's going to win this fight from his wrestling. So I'm going to pick Yakovlev here. Um, 
somewhat of a hesitant pick because, uh, you know, for me to pick him, I'm, I'm relying on him to go out there and, and wrestle. I'm not necessarily expecting him to, to win this fight on the feet uh, by a wide margin. I do think it could be kind of competitive there. Um, but Yakolev will be my pick nonetheless due to the wrestling advantage and uh, competition and experience advantage. So he's going to be my pick to win. Uh, the second fight of the night, we have Miranda Maverick, uh, or excuse me, I'm sorry, Casey Kenny taking on Nathaniel Wood. So yeah, um, this is a pretty interesting fight. I think this is is very competitive. Both these guys uh, really stuck out in a, a good way in their most recent fights. Nathaniel Wood went out there against, <coughs> excuse me, John Castaneda and just landed a lot of volume. You could see the improvements that that Wood has made in his game. He had a, he had a little bit of a setback there against Dodson, uh, where the fight was very competitive. Um, I believe the judges had Dodson up two rounds to zero, but that doesn't do it justice as to how close the fight was. It was in New Mexico, so perhaps that helped uh, Dodson get the edge there on the cards. But nonetheless, uh, Wood has looked like a, a tremendous prospect. You know, after all, his nickname is the prospect, and there's a lot to like about him. You know, he he comes. Uh, from the UK. Um, <clears throat> striking, I'd say, this is like his plan A, like what he excels at the most. He's technical. Um, he has some good low kicks. He's got some good volume. He's got uh, punching power. He's got the more punching power of these two. And he's definitely a, a solid grappler as well. Uh, definitely a solid wrestler. He's certainly not a, a bad wrestler. He's not. He's certainly not flawed in, in terms of the wrestling and grappling. Um, and yeah, I think that this fight will be very competitive because Casey Kenny, just like Nathaniel Wood, is a very solid, very well-rounded fighter. Uh, you know, neither guy has looked like particularly flawless, but like, again, we're talking about younger guys uh, that, you know, have stuck out in a good way in terms of prospects. And yeah, they've had uh, one setback each respectively, but look who they lost to. Wood lost to Dodson, who, um, you know, former title contender has always been a top 15 guy in whatever weight class you want to look at. And in terms of Casey Kenny, uh, he lost some Rob Navalashvili, which um, in hindsight was just kind of a tough matchup for him, right? You have Kenny who, uh, like I said, very solid, very well-rounded, has a wrestling background, has a judo background. Um, he's a, a, I believe, a black, uh, black belt in uh, Brazilian jiu-jitsu. He could strike well as uh, also, but uh, what Marab was able to do was just take him down uh, again and again and again and be able to just tire uh, Kenny out because Rob's just got that style where he could just mat return and mat return and just nonstop wrestle for all three rounds. And so that kind of wore Kenny out, despite the fact that he certainly had his moments there, uh, particularly early on in those fights. So um, though they had setbacks there, I don't think that either guy really poses that threat that they respectively lost in. You know, I don't think that Kenny has uh, as much knockout power as Dotson has. Kenny just really hasn't shown to really like hurt guys with his hands. Again, I think he's very technical. He's got countering proficiency. Uh, he could be a little quicker here of the two. I think he's got very good footwork. Kenny's just very uh, fundamentally sound on the feet, I'd say, but he's not really shown to be a power puncher. Uh, again, technique-wise, he's solid, but not a power puncher. So I'm not expecting him to really knock Wood out, despite the fact that uh, I do have some durability issues, uh, concerns rather about uh, Wood long-term. You know, he was kind of getting beaten up there, uh, even in the Johnny Eduardo fight, uh, looked hurt there a couple times. And uh, even if you want to go back to the regional scene against Josh Reed, awesome fight, but uh, Wood was almost stopped there. Uh, you know, and then we also we saw Dotson uh, get the stoppage there. So I do have that concern about Wood. I, I would have um, I would be, you know, potentially picking against him in a matchup where I think that there's a good striker there with with some power. But I don't think that Kenny really poses that power threat. And on the flip side, Wood's shown some solid uh, offensive wrestling capabilities, particularly from the body lock. But uh, Kenny. 
even though maybe Wood could get him down, Kenny's just a really good scrambler. He should be able to pop right back up. And like I said, he's very sound on the ground in terms of jujitsu. Uh, so I think it's primarily going to be won or lost on the feet where I think it's just going to be very competitive. You know, I think that, uh, you know, Kenny could have a bit more success playing the counter role here. I think that, you know, he could have a lot of success countering Wood. I do think that he's got the slightly better footwork of the two. Wood showed a little bit better footwork against Castaneda, but there's been some fights where he's been a bit more flat-footed, doesn't really move his head a whole lot, does Wood. I think that Kenny has a better head movement of the two. Uh, So potentially he could have uh, some success landing on Wood. Wood's uh, got a really nice left hook. I noticed that you could uh, tag Kenny up there. Again, Kenny hasn't shown a chin chin issue or anything like that, but in terms of Wood just landing clean, uh, he was able to land uh, on it against Dodson even, a guy who's very evasive moving in and out of the pocket. So I do think that Wood could have some success there. So what we have to work with here is just a very close competitive fight where I just slightly edge Kenny just due to the, I think the slightly better uh, head movement or or decently better head movement and slightly better footwork. And uh, also if there are takedowns to be landed, even though Kenny, similar to Wood, it's shown to be uh, plan A game plan is to strike. I do think that the takedowns would more likely come from Kenny. I think he's a bit better of a wrestler here. Um, and in top position, he can maybe get some top control. I don't think it's going to be a huge uh, significance to winning rounds, but maybe the, the striking is like 50-50 on the feet and Kenny's able to uh, seal off around with a takedown. But uh, this is just a very competitive fight. By no means is Wood out of this fight. This is very close. I'm going to be picking Casey Kenny, but I expect it to be very competitive. Next fight, we have Liana Jojua taking on Miranda Maverick. The one, one of the bigger favorites on the card is Miranda Maverick, and uh, I do like her in the matchup. Like, she l- looks like a very talented prospect. She is still relatively green in some areas. There's some areas of her game I think she can improve on. Like, for instance, I saw a couple fights ago she was willing to pull guard. Uh, I could still see that her takedown defense is still not really good. She doesn't really have a sprawl, doesn't really dig under hooks. Uh, I'd say her head movement could be improved. Um, and that, while that can be, um, you know, uh, issues of her game that if they aren't tightened up could be exploited down the road. I think that in this fight against Liana Jojua, I just think that this is a, p- a pretty decent salicing match of her, to be honest with you. Uh, let's start with the striking. So Miranda, I just think is just the much better striker. She utilizes good feints. She's got the superior footwork, uh, superior combination striker and counter striking proficiency like Liana on the feet. Um, I just, I don't think she's as technical as Miranda and she's also kind of comfortable, uh, being on her back foot uh, a little bit, you know, even in some of the, in the open exchange against Deanna Belbita, uh, which eventually she won by armbar. She was actually getting tagged up there clean, uh, in the striking before, uh, Belbita initiated the, the grappling there and took her down. Um, and then she was able to get the armbar from guard. Um, so I think that Miranda is just going to be a bit sharper than her on the feet, just a, a bit quicker, more technical, um, and, and the less hittable fighter of the two. So I favor Miranda on the feet. Um, and also she should be able to push the higher pace of the two. Um, and on the ground, like I know that Liana's just coming off a submission win, but I, I'm not sold on her ground game. I think it's actually pretty liable. Um, Cause before that, I just looking at a regional scene footage, I've seen her put in multiple submission attempts. Um, and then we saw Sarah Maras uh, in her UFC debut. She uh, was, was kind of dominated there on the ground. She was reversed easily by Maras. Uh, she gave up uh, back mount easily there in round three. Um, and eventually, uh, Maras was able to get uh, the the stoppage there, you know, in round three. So it's just, uh, I think that despite coming off a submission win, she does have uh, the capability of submitting somebody from her guard. Uh, you know, Miranda, a purple belt in jiu-jitsu. I'm not expecting Liana to get 
uh, you know, an arm bar from guard here. I think that if takedowns are landed and Miranda gets in top position, she could probably uh, will avoid that threat. I see on her Instagram, she trains a lot in the gi. Um, so I'm not expecting, you know, an, another arm bar from guard for Liana. So I think that the most likely thing that we see here is actually Miranda just controls the fight. She should be able to control the striking. Um, and on the ground, even though I think that her, her takedown defense and uh, scrambling ability from bottom can be improved, I do think that uh, it should be good enough here to, to win the fight. Uh, better wrestler, better striker, probably better grappler as well. So um, it's a fairly easy fight for me to break down, and I think the odds here are, are justified in Miranda being a big favorite. So uh, Miranda Maverick is going to be my pick. <clears throat> And on to uh, now that we're past the early prelims, we're on like the prelims just before the main card now. Da Um Jun taking on Sam Elvey. So, yeah, like I've always kind of bro broken down Sam Elvey fights very similarly. The guy's got power. Um, he's a counter striker, but he just has this habit of just backing himself into the fence. And, you know, as a result, if he doesn't win by, by knockouts in fights or even fights when he hurts the opposition that go to decision, they are often very competitive, like the John Volante fight. He he rocked Volante, almost finished him, but it still went to a split decision. Um, he's just very, very low output as Alvi. Like to his credit, he's got strong takedown defense. He's strong in the clinch, uh, but his plan A game plan is to strike. And when he doesn't do significant damage in order to sway rounds, he's kind of lose, uh, losing fights up until he wins. Um, you know, sometimes we have this, uh, similar to like the Ryan Spahn fight to some extent where, where the opposition is kind of like they're looking into a, in the mirror at each other, uh, cause they respect Alvi's power and his countering ability, uh, that the, uh, the, the opposition is, is low output in Alvi fights. We even saw that in the Ramazan Ami fight. Um, so that's the concern I've always had for him. Jung, uh, seems like a, a young man that will, uh, come forward a bit more, be a bit more aggressive than say, uh, some other uh, fighters that LV has had in the past. Uh, but I do think that defensively he's a bit flawed. You know, his head movement is serviceable, but still not good. His chin is in the air in striking exchanges. Uh, his striking, I'd say, is very predictable. He just kind of throws, like, the jab and the cross mainly. Um, he added in some kicks in his most recent fight, but still, like, I'd like to see more variety out of him. I'd say his takedown defense, while it's not probably not going to hurt him in this matchup, just going forward and in general, it's it's a lot huge liability. He doesn't really fundamentally defend takedown attempts. That was evident in his UFC debut. He was even taken down by uh, Ibrahimov there a few times after he was completely gassed was Ibrahimov. Um, and I'd say his footwork could be improved as well. It kind of backs uh, straight up into the fence um, if you really like pressure him and unload on him. Now, I'm not expecting Elvi to do that, but where I do think that Elvi can exploit this is just, you know, Jung – you know, like I said, he he will come forward. He does he does especially now have confidence in his power, um, and Alvi can exploit that striking defense flaw that I see with him leaving his chin in the air. You know, that's that's a huge uh, red flag, especially at, at the two hundred and five pound division. Um, kind of like Modestus Bukowskis, you know, last week against against Crew. Um, you know, so it's just a, it's just a huge liability to have. And um, Jung like. I think he'll be a bit sharper, a bit faster. He's going to be ultimately my pick because, like I said, I just think he'll be a bit busier of the two, and he'll have a speed advantage. But, um, you know, Alvi will have opportunities to clip him, I think. Uh, Jung hasn't shown to have a, a poor chin or anything like that, but, you know, when you're leaving your chin in the air, um, and, again, 205-pound weight class, it is it is certainly possible, um, though I'm just going to slightly lean with or, or 
not slightly. I'm going to more uh, with more solidified uh, pick on the junk side. Just again, I think the speed will be a huge uh, element here. Confidence perhaps as well um, and higher output as well. Uh, he'll just probably be the busier fighter. I think here of the two, despite the fact that his striking is predictable. Uh, you could say the same thing about LV. He doesn't really uh, vary his attack either. So um, it's going to be a fight where again, junk's going to be winning unless if, you know, Alvy clips him most likely and hurts him. So I'm going to side with junk here to, to win rounds. Alex Oliveira taking on uh, Shavkat Hakmanov. Um, I had to look at the pronunciation for that gentleman's name and I, I think I nailed it. So we'll see. Um, so, yeah, I think this is a really interesting matchup here. Um, you know, Oliveira is a guy who, just looking at his whole UFC career, he's gotten by a lot of the time on his on like his intangibles. So like his athleticism, his speed, uh, his strength, and his durability and toughness. Like those four things uh, have gotten him so far. And it's not like he's he's like a poor technical fighter or anything like that. No, it's not. But he those are the main reasons why he's uh, winning a lot of these fights. You know, he's a guy that um, – you know, just goes out there and just gives it his all. And sometimes that means he slows down as the fight progresses, particularly um, in fights that are a little bit more grapple heavy, like in the, the Nicholas Dalby fight, or um, even if you want to go back a, a couple of years to the Yancey Medeiros fight, he was, was more so a brawl, uh, but he could slow down as the fight progresses because uh, he just, again, he's got that style where he's just very reliant on, on utilizing his strength, leveraging it, um, using high energy moves. He's got a very nice front kick. Uh, he throws with a lot of power with all of his strikes. Um, and we've seen him hurt several guys. He even hurt Peter Sabota last time out. And that's relevant here, I think, because while, you know, Oliver hasn't shown to be like an elite round winner uh, for UFC standards, you know, uh, Shavkat here, he is just so low output. Like I, I don't think in recent memory, there's been a, you know, a lower output fighter that I can recall tape setting. He's just so patient. Um, he's just like a counter striker almost to a fault. Like, and, and you look at his record, it's like, okay, he hasn't lost. Um, he hasn't been to a decision, you know, um, there's even, there was even a fight where he was, he was losing the fight up until, uh, he got the stoppage there in round three. And we've seen that, like, if you want to talk about, uh, I brought up the example last week about Modestus Bukowskis, or I bring up the Gerald Mearshart example, like, you know, you're a fighter that, you know, it doesn't work out every time, but like if if you have this MO of like you're losing fights up until you're not, it's not a sustainable way to win. Maybe it gets you by one or two more times, but if you if you see that consistent trend throughout the course of a fighter's career, it's hard for me to put a lot of conviction um in you know betting aside picking that fighter, right? Like because if I if I think they're gonna be losing up a fight up until they just get kind of get a finish out of nowhere, or if the opposition is completely tired, they're able to take advantage of it it's hard for me to have like a lot of trust in that. You know what I mean? Um, and like I said, Oliver is not the most reliable round winner, but I do think that he pushes the pace more of these two. Um, I think he's the more threatening striker of the two. Um, you know, Shavkat here, like, I think he's a solid technical fighter, but he doesn't really move his head. I'd say his footwork is more on the poor side. Um, and as a result, I've seen him hurt. That was one of the, that was the fight I was alluding to. Um, he was hurt bad. He was rocked. Um, I've seen him rocked more than once. Um, I've seen him mounted. I've seen him taken down. Like, I don't think he's a bad fighter by any means, but like he's, he's one of these guys that's just very opportunistic. He's got uh, some submission grappling chops. He could threaten off his back with triangles, uh, arm bars, leg locks. He's not a poor grappler or anything like that. Uh, 
But again, the flat footedness, I think that Oliver is just a much better athlete here. We'll push the pace. Um, probably will be enough to get the job done here. More experience. The one thing that makes me nervous about Oliver is because, like I said, the cardio is a concern. I don't expect this fight to be grapple heavy, but when we talk about Oliveira throwing a lot of his strikes with power, which naturally tires out the, the gas tank of a fighter, and he's taking this fight on short notice, um, that that concerns me. You know, it, it, it does uh, in a way. You know, he's taking this fight on short notice. He's t uh, actually stepping in here uh, for Elizu Zaleski de Santos. Uh, October 7th was when he was notified. So um, I'm sure the guy was was training in the gym, but at the, the short notice combined with his uh, cardio issues that he's shown in the past makes me concerned. Um, and also if uh, Shavkat does happen to take him down because he has shown some body lock takedown proficiencies, while Oliveira's overall, you know, first layer takedown defense is solid, he's not a, like an easy guy to be taken down. Um, when you do take him down, he's shown that he can be controlled. Uh, that was evident in the Max Grisham, the Max Griffin fight, um, and even in the the Nicholas Dalby fight and in the Gunnar Nelson fight as well. Uh, so he's like a, an athletic freak, is Oliveira. He's he's physically strong, uh, but there's some technical areas of his game that are lacking, uh, such as the ability to create scrambles. You know, like I said, being put on his back and things like that. Um, but nonetheless, I just think that those things aside, um, it's not like Shavkat just pushes a tremendous pace. So I do trust, uh, uh, Oliveira's cardio here to hold up, um, enough to get the, even the stoppage. I think he could get a stoppage here or, or as the fight progresses, just stick and stick and move on the outside, use his superior athleticism and speed, uh, to, to use that very good front kick. Use the very good low kick that he's uh, shown to utilize in his last fight and uh, potentially earn a knockout. Because like I said, the head movement of, of Shavkat, just it's his striking defense is just so liable. It's just very flat-footed. Uh, Oliveira should have a speed advantage here despite being uh, seven years older here, 32 versus 25. Um, you know, I, I'm sure that we've seen some improvements out of Shav, uh, Shavkat since his, what he's shown on the regional scene, but I would like to see it first. And what, I, what I've seen, I just think that Oliveira uh, gets this done here um, and probably by stoppage. Uh, so this is the last fight on the prelims, and we have Stefan Struve taking on Tai Tuivesa. Yeah, this is a, a very difficult fight to predict because I think that on the feet, it could potentially look like Tai is like a massive favorite uh, if he gets the knockout. Or on the ground, it's going to look like Struve is a massive favorite um, in top position, more than likely. Uh, but even on the off his back, he could threaten uh, with various chokes with Struve. He's not just a, a very long guy that could threaten you with his limbs, but he's also Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu brown belt. Uh, that's like, you know, uh, no secret at this point with Struve. We, we know that uh, he's very threatening on the ground with his, uh, you know, crafty submission grappling that he's shown to submit a lot of guys with. You know, he, he's got that in his back pocket. And at this point in Struve's career, um, I would have to think, and especially in this matchup, he's, he's got to take this fight to the ground because we know at this point, Struve, he's so tall. He's the tallest guy in the UFC. Uh, but he doesn't fight behind a jab. He doesn't really, he doesn't leverage his length. And it's so unfortunate because if he had that tool, uh, he could be able to utilize that, you know, nine, around nine, nine inch reach advantage that he has here to, uh, to the best of his ability. But unfortunately, I think that Ty, if he wants to, will be able to close distance on him and, and probably hurt him if, if he gets there. Uh, that's the concern that I have with Struve. You know, his chin uh, at this point is just a, a huge liability. Uh, he just leaves his chin high when throwing punches in the pocket. Um, his striking just isn't really fluid or technical at all. He'll just kind of plant his feet. Um, and the punches almost seem like forced or uncoordinated almost. It's just kind of just not, again, like I said, not very fluid and not very uh, flowy. And 
<clears throat> we've seen him hurt in, in a lot of recent fights. You know, if you even want to go back to the Marcos Hogeria Delima fight, um, Delima knocked him down with like the first big right hand uh, in the first round there. And in that post fight interview, uh, Struve didn't remember getting knocked down. You know, he had to rewatch it uh, while he was being interviewed by, I think, Dan Hardy. And that's a concern. And then you look at the Ben Rothwell fight, you know, he, he got finished there. And even uh, Alexander Volkov, he's been knocked out several times. And uh, Ty, you know, he's not he's not a great technical fighter. You know, he came into the UFC with some hype. He got some wins. And then he got a main event spot against DeSantos. Uh, he lost. Then he lost to Ivanov. And then he lost to Spivak. And so people are kind of uh, lower on him now because he was another prospect who um, had a lot of hype. And then when people see these guys lose, they, they're they they're like off of them completely. They need to kind of like earn back their trust, uh, after however long depends on the standards of the person, I suppose. Um, but to me, like him winning and losing those fights, you know, I just kind of like the same, it would basically break down stylistically the same here, uh, kind of regardless of those like results in a way, you know, um, Again, I wouldn't have predicted that he uh, he was going to lose to Spivak, but that, you know, in, in a way uh, makes it more of a case for Struve that if he gets his fight to the ground, uh, he could get the submission. And so on the feet, Ty packs a lot of power and he throws hard low kicks um, that, you know, he could use to, to threaten Struve. You know, he hurt JDS with his low kick. He hurt Spivak with his low kick and he hurt Blagoy with his low kick. He's got a hard low kick um, and he could use it to, you know, chop at Struve's legs. Um, even if in the clinch, uh, Ty's got some very hard elbows there. Um, he's got the ability to switch stances and he's got big power to stand. So if he closes distance on Struve, you want to combine his big power with uh, Struve's uh, very questionable durability at this stage. Um, I think that Ty could land the, the knockout shot, you know, and I favor Ty on the feet, but uh, you know how Struve wins this fight is if he gets on top of Tuivasa and, you know, as you can probably guess, Struve is almost seven feet tall. So, yeah, he's not a good wrestler by any means. Uh, but he has shown judo, uh, judo trip takedown ability in the clinch position. Um, and from there, he can take Ty down. Like, Ty has been taken down uh, easily in the UFC. His takedown defense has shown to be a huge liability. Um, if you're a stats guy, it's 42% per, uh, per UFCstats.com. Uh, he was nearly taken down by Arlovsky with double underhooks uh, with a throw. Um, he was off balance, but the cage basically saved him from falling. Uh, if you want to look at uh, another sequence in the Arlovsky fight, he was taken down by Arlovsky in round two. Uh, he was taken down twice by Blagoy Ivanov. He was taken down from a trip by Sergei Spivak twice in round one. Um, and again, trip is relevant there because that's the type of takedown that uh, Struve will go for. Um, and, and Spivak went six for eight. Uh, attempting takedowns on him. He took him down each each time very easily, you know? So we could debate all day if if Spivak is a, is a better wrestler than Struve. I think it's kind of irrelevant, though, because, like I said, Ty just really hasn't shown to defend takedowns at a high clip. He just doesn't really defend him fundamentally. He could scramble back up to his feet fine, but if Struve gets on top of him with his length and really good submission grappling and keeps, his, keeps him flat on his back like Spivak did uh, – the one time he did that prior to the uh, submission stoppage, I think he'll submit Ty. I really do. I just think that Struve is just vastly better than him submission grappling wise. Um, and it's a true, like, you know, Ty will be a huge threat to uh, Struve on the feet and, and Struve will be a huge threat to Ty on the ground because they could definitely expose one another um, in those respective areas. Um, so yeah, it's just a, a higher variance fight. The odds are competitive. 
not because it's going to be this 50 50 fight very competitive up until the stoppage but it's 50 it's a close fight per the odds because one guy's got a clear advantage in the striking in the case of tie and one guy's got a clear advantage in terms of the, the grappling and truth in my personal opinion again i don't know what the odds makers thinking but i think that's what they're going for here um ultimately i'm going to side with Struve though because um like i said i do think he could have some kind of uh, he definitely will have some success on the ground if he gets in top position but even in the, on the feet um he could have some success not at range not with his jab but with his kicks main uh mainly because that's like the only like range-based uh you know strike that Struve really utilizes um, doesn't utilize the jab really, but, uh, you know, he could use his kicks, um, land, land a decent amount of volume on, on um, excuse me, to Ibasa and potentially get a stoppage, um, or not a stoppage on the feet, more than likely on the ground or lead to a, lead to a sequence where it hits the ground. Um, Strew really hasn't, despite being a heavyweight, hasn't really shown a lot of stopping power in his hands. Um, so it more likely than come from the ground. So it's a true, true coin flip ish type of fight, uh, where I'm ultimately going to side here with Stefan Strew. Um, hesitant pick though. <clears throat> and so now we are on the main card. So yes, uh, looking forward to this one. Finally, <laughs> Magomed Anka live taking on Iwan Kutalaba. Um, I've broken this fight down many times, but I I'm going to break it down again. Cause I love this stuff, but basically the fight to me is, I think that Iwan is, um, Magomed's toughest fight that he's had in the UFC thus far. The, the best, uh, opponent from an athleticism standpoint, uh, from an overall threatening standpoint, I know that Craig Paul Craig submitted him on the ground, uh, but that's not what I'm talking about. I'm, term, I'm talking about in terms of just the striking, the early uh, onslaught that Kutalaba uh, will bring. Because in the first round, in all of Kutalaba's fights, he comes out very hot. Uh, he's threatening. He's athletic. He's fast. Uh, he will attack from various angles. He could switch stances. He's just simply put, just a very uh, he's just like an athletic specimen, a physically strong guy. Um, and Anka Live really hasn't faced anybody <clears throat> like Kutalaba in the UFC. So I'm interested to see how he will react to Kutalaba's pace. Because um, Magomed wants all of his fights to be methodical at range and kind of pick guys apart over the course of three rounds or, um, you know, earn a stoppage if it comes along the way. Uh, he's just kind of gathering intel. Um while him and his opponent are, are standing at range with each other so he could land that perfect shot. We saw that in the uh, Dolce Lunghi and Bula fight. Um, he just fights with a very uh, clear game plan on how to win rounds. You know, we saw him go to the ground with Clinton Abreu, um, a guy that's very established in Brazilian jiu-jitsu, good top position there. He's just very fundamentally sound as Ankalaev. He's a tremendous prospect. But like I said, Iwan here is just going to be posing a, an unfamiliar threat to him. And I think that the first round, Ankalaev is going to be in some trouble. Um you know, Iwan, I think, is going to try and blitz like he typically does um, and, and attack uh, Ankalaev, and maybe Ankalaev counters him, but I just think that while the two are relatively fresh, Iwan's going to be pushing the pace, uh, doing more, um, and he could finish Ankalaev, you know, because I have seen Ankalaev. He was uh, wobbled by Abreu, uh, who's not not known as a power puncher, and uh, Dolce Lunghi and Bula. Um, that's a concern with me because you – you put him in there with a guy like Kudalaba who probably hits harder than both of those guys and is more aggressive um, and just kind of overall better. Uh, he could really capitalize and maybe finish him early. But if Ewan does not finish in Kalaib early, I just think he's going to slow down around the seven minute mark. Like he typically does. Like that's the, the flaw in his game. His just cardio management is just not good. I mean, if you want to look at the Glover to sheriff fight, it was kind of like the tail of two rounds. He hurt Glover early was winning the first round, but then, 
started to get tired after Glover hung on um, when Ivan was pursuing the finish. Started to get tired there towards the end of round one, and then uh, round two happened. Was had a little bit of energy because again he's fresh off the stool after a minute's rest. Um, and then he got tired, and then eventually, uh, after stuffing so many takedowns, there was just one where he uh, just kind of fell to his back after throwing a kick. Um, and then from there, he just was dominated on the ground. We saw that similar uh, in the Misha Serkinov fight as well. You know, so like once you get him on the ground, uh, put him on his back, uh, he didn't even really defend the choke there. He was just kind of waiting. He didn't defend the choke. I'll just say that. He, he was just kind of waiting to tap. Um, and Ankalaev hasn't shown to be a submission threat. He actually doesn't have any submission wins. Uh, in the UFC, but if Ewan is unsuccessful getting him out of there, or he doesn't even, not just the UFC, but in, in all of pro MMA, uh, but if Ewan gets him, if Ewan does not get him out of there in the first round or so, or within the first minute or so of the second round, I think he's going to tire out, and then Ankalive can look to go to the takedown and maybe not get a submission in top position, but maybe he gets a ground and pound stoppage. You know, he does have some ground and pound stoppages uh, on his record, and that could be how the fight goes. Like, so it's going to be a fight where like, I personally do not, you know, I would not lay uh, personally, I would not lay that number uh, and ankle live in this matchup because again, I do think he's going to be in, in some trouble early on. Uh, but if he could weather that storm, I think that it's, it's his fight to lose. Um, and he could go on to win potentially by stoppage, even though Ewan has shown to be durable, uh, very durable for heavyweights or light heavyweight standards. But it is just a, a matchup here where um, it's going to be an unfamiliar th uh, threat for Magomed. And, and sometimes I, I bring this up uh, during my breakdown. Sometimes these prospects, they pass the unfamiliar threat. Sometimes they don't. Um, like in the case of Yusuf Salal and Ilya Teporia, uh, he hadn't faced a guy like Teporia in the UFC. And then, well, um, you know, Teporia proved to be a tougher match for him. That's not what I'm saying. I'm not to say that, that that's like the end all be all like example. There's times when it works the other way. Right. Uh, but I'm just saying to have a lot of conviction on this pick, I don't have it because I don't know how ankle I going to react to Kudalaba just trying to go out there and just win by quick finish. I don't know. Um, we ha we just haven't seen it. Right. Um, so that's the way, basically the way the fight breaks down. I don't think like particularly skill wise ankle is like tremendously better than, than Kudalaba. I don't, I think that they're both solid technical strikers, um, they're both solid athletes. Although I think Kudalab is actually probably a better athlete than him, assuming he's relatively fresh and faster. Um, and they're well-rounded. They come from Sambo backgrounds. Uh, they have a solid takedown defense and uh, get ups, assuming they're relatively fresh. Again, Kudalab gets tired there after about seven minutes or so, but yeah, skill wise, it, they're really, I don't think that there's this like super wide skill discrepancy. I really don't. And then you want to throw in there, Kudalab is just more experienced uh, in terms of UFC competition, has fought the higher level of opposition. Like it, it's, uh, Kudalab, I think, is a live dog. I really do. But uh, nonetheless, I will pick Anka Live here. The cardio is just more trustworthy. Um, I can trust him more to win rounds. And, um, you know, who knows? Maybe that first matchup, even though it was, uh, the, there was some controversy there about the stoppage, maybe gives him some more confidence. Um, and, and maybe Kudalaba's fight IQ uh, fails him again. I mean, because because when I went back on tape, that wasn't the only time Kudalaba tried something like that. He tried that against uh, Glover Teixeira as well. He, he pretended to be hurt to the body. Uh, he, he pretended to be wobbled there briefly too. Uh, it just didn't lead to a finishing sequence, and so that's why nobody really talked about or why it's kind of swept under the rug, if you will. Um, but in that fight against Ankalaev, it cost him. Um, that's why it was a bigger talking point, so. I'm not saying it's the right or wrong way to look at it, but uh, he, he's been known to do some questionable things like that in the octagon, the fight IQ wise. And again, if you even want to look at the just the point of him just wanting to go out there and, and win by quick stoppage, 
that's not necessarily an optimal way to approach a fight. I personally would say it's not because it's like, what do you have if you can't get the guy out of there in the first round? Look at the Jed Cannoneer fight. Look at the Glover Teixeira fight. Look at the Misha Serkinov fight. Every time he, he couldn't do it, um, he, he lost. So uh, except for the Jonathan Wilson fight, but that was way early on. Um, so, yeah, it's just uh, Ankalaev just more trustworthy with his cardio and his, his uh, round winning abilities. Um, uh, assuming we're, we're looking at it in terms of the, the full spectrum of the three round fight, though, I do think that Kudalaba could win round one. Um, so yeah, Laura Murphy taking on, uh, Lilia Chakarova. Um, so I'm looking forward to this one because, uh, Lilia here, she looks to be a, a talented fighter. She's still a, a very green. I would say at this point, you know, she just hasn't fought, um, near the level of opposition that like say Murphy has, uh, just, uh, the competition that she's been facing has just been very, very, uh, inexperienced in pro MMA. Um, and then you also want to uh, couple that with the fact that she just hasn't fought in a year. I trust that she's improving, um, but she's still just even looking at, uh, you know, some things on tape, like she does come from a, a wrestling background. But uh, one thing that I noticed is she, she tends to struggle to secure takedowns. And again, she looks solid on the initial takedown, the initial shot. Um, but in terms of securing top position, that can be improved. But that is something that uh, as she gains more experience, as she starts to train more, I think it's only going to get better. Um so I, I was actually I was I was impressed with what I saw out of her. Um, again, I'm still worried about like the greenness, and uh, she is taking this is her UFC debut that she's taking on short notice here. Uh, she's stepping in for Cynthia Calvio. Uh, October fifteenth was when she was notified, so a um, little over a week to prepare here. Uh, you know, like Murphy, just again, she's got more preparation. She's just fought the higher level of opposition. She's a very talented fighter, no doubt about it. But what makes me nervous seeing her as, as a solid favorite, even though there's been some action coming here on uh, uh, Lilia, is she tends to fight competitively. Um, she doesn't really pull away and, and fights that often. Um, you know, in the Mara romero Barella fight, she got a finish there in round three. Uh, but the fight was very competitive up until then. Um, she, Murphy, like, again, she's, she's very well-rounded. She's very solid. Um, and she's not like flawed in any where area, but she doesn't necessarily have, um, you know, the ability to really expose a fighter, um, in an area where they're, they're, uh, severely flawed. Um, you know, so it's tough for her to really pull away and fight. She's shown she can win at a high clip. Uh, but what we're talking about, you know, uh, split decision win against Andrea Lee, obviously a close fight. You know, like I said, the Mar Romero Barella fight very close up until the stoppage, um, you know, just even some some other ones that she had in the past. You know, even if you want to look at the Rocks and Modafferi fight, that fight, even though it was a unanimous decision win for her, uh, it was very close. And even the Barb Honchak fight, uh, split decision win uh, uh, for her in, in the tough finale there. So that's the concern I have with her as like a big favorite. Again, she's she's well rounded. She's a purple belt in jiu jitsu. Uh, her boxing is definitely coming along. It's looked decent. On uh, recent fights, she's shown off some countering ability. Uh, she showed off some pop at her hands against uh, Roxanne Modafferi. Um, again, she, defensive wrestling is solid. Fundamentally, she could utilize the wizard and underhook to circle the fence and get back up. She's got wrestling capability offensively of her own. Good timing on her takedowns, double leg takedown ability. Um, and I'd say her, what impresses me, one of the more impressive things I noticed about her is her just good awareness. Um, in that Andrea Lee fight that was very close, you know, she went for takedowns and got them in rounds one and two to really, uh, seal off the round. You know, like that, that tells me that like her fight IQ is high. Um, and I'm not surprised by that because uh, she's a hard work working woman. And, and you could tell the evolution in her game. You know, she's really moving up the ranks here and she's coming off some nice wins. Um, 
you know, and, and again, she's more prepared. Uh, I think she will have it like a frame advantage, like a f officially per uh, tapology. She's about an inch taller. But uh, Murphy, of course, is a woman who had fought at uh, bantamweight in the past. Uh, so perhaps uh, physicality wise, she she has that edge here against uh, Lilia, who looks like she she has fought at, at flyweight most recently. But she d does look like a woman that potentially she could make 115. Again, I haven't seen her fight in a year. Uh, so maybe she's put on some more uh, strength on her frame. It's possible, uh, but we'll need to see it first. You know, Ilya, she, you know, I, I, again, I'm impressed with what I've seen about her. Like, she throws, like, a lot of, like, karate-based kicks. She could switch stances and striking exchanges. Uh, she's worked with uh, Tiger Muay Thai in the past, which is a, a great camp uh, for a variety of reasons. You know, we, we saw uh, Loma, uh, who just beat uh, Jin Frey a few weeks ago. That's where she trains out of. We've seen other talented fighters, uh, Hafiel Fizia, Piotr Triad. Uh, it's a great camp. I, I think that that that's a positive thing that she's training there. Um, and it shows in her striking. She's a solid technical striker. I'd say, um, her footwork I'd say is overall serviceable. She can move in and out of the pocket. Well. Um, and, uh, like I alluded to off the top, you know, she's got a, a freestyle wrestling background, uh, per her Instagram on her bio, ch a champion of, uh, uh, Uzbekistan. Uh, okay. So like that, she's got a, a solid skill set to work with. She really does. Again, like I said, just the lack of experience, um, the, the level of opposition, it hasn't been what, what Murphy, Murphy's face, certainly not UFC level competition yet, but she's got enough to work with where I think that she's, she's got like a, a solid potential. I really do. Um, so we'll see how her career uh, shakes out. But um, you know, I do think that in terms of the wrestling, like I said, she does have that background, but Murphy um, with the physicality, with the good enough fundamentals. Um, and again, with, with, uh, you know, Lilia here showing to be a little bit green in that area still in terms of securing top position. Uh, I don't think that'll be a huge compelling uh, element of this fight, but we might get a competitive stand-up battle here. And um, again, I'm not going to, you know, just pick uh, Ilya here for the sake of being bold, uh, but I do think she can make it competitive. Again, like I said, training at Tiger Muay Thai, she's got some karate-based kicks. Um, but again, like I said, though, that the, the greenness, just the, the level of opposition, and then uh, – uh, per Instagram, only a white belt in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, which honestly surprised me because in her tape, she showed like solid overall grappling fundamentals. Like when she would get in top position, like I said, sometimes she wouldn't secure the top position, but when she did, uh, eventually she would like look to take the back and sink both hooks in. Um, so she's definitely coming along in that area, definitely learning a lot. Um, but again, the, the size advantage also in favor of Murphy, again, just more preparation. Uh, she's ultimately going to be the side here, but this is this is not a fight or this is a fight rather where I would not be surprised to see it play out competitively. I really wouldn't. I do think that Lilia here is solid. I mean, even if she doesn't win this matchup, you know, I, I think we could see her get better as her career progresses. Um, I think the UFC sees something in her that they wanted her uh, to get this big opportunity here against Lauren Murphy. Who's, who's like a top, a top 10 fighter in, at the, uh, the, in the women's flyweight division, uh, you know, cause again, she's stepping in here for Cynthia Calvillo, who definitely, uh, is, is a top tier fighter in this weight class. So kind of tells me that the UFC thinks highly of her um, and win, lose, or draw. Um, you know, like I said, I think we could see her have a, a strong future um, in the promotion. Uh, Phil Haas taking on Jacob Malkoon. Um, as I mentioned in the email that I sent you all, I actually broke this down with uh, Manpreet, uh, AKA lock of MMA lock of the night on Twitter. Um, we, we broke uh, we broke this matchup down for free on his 100th episode of the Lockcast, but of course I'm going to break it down here. Um, that was just a plug I would like to share with you all again, but uh, it was awesome doing that with him. Great guy. Um, awesome dude. So, yeah, this matchup, yeah, Phil Hawes and Malcoon. Um, 
Malkoon trains with Whit Whitaker, which which we'll get to later. I think that's awesome. He's also uh, a purple belt in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, uh, EDCC Asia 2019 trials winner. Uh, he's got some pro boxing experience. Um, <clears throat> 2019 Pan Pacific gold medals. He's got, uh, just like what I talked about with Lilia, just a, a lot to work with. And I think that uh, even though he's still green here, he's only 4-0, we could see his career progress uh, on, a, on a significant level. Again, training with Whitaker, having that skill set. Um, and, and you see fighters with uh, 10 fights or less, you know, just get significantly better that are relatively inexperienced. Just get significantly better uh, because you're just making some huge uh, jumps you know, on a, on a fight to fight basis when, when you're that inexperienced. And so I think that the future for bright is Malcoon win, lose or draw here. But in this matchup here, I think stylistically skill set wise, he's just kind of outmatched. Um, pause. I just think is the better wrestler here, better striker as well. Superior athlete, uh, superior striker with a speed advantage and superior grappler. Um, Hawes is another gentleman who, like I said with Tui Vas earlier, he he had his his nickname is No Hype uh, for starters, but he had a lot of hype on him uh, a while ago, even going on to the Ultimate Fighter season, um, where Andrew Sanchez eventually went on to win. He faced Sanchez in the elimination round, but he came into that fight with a lot of hype, and that was years ago. He he's trained with Jackson Week in the past, uh, John Jones. Uh, currently, right now, he trains at Sanford MMA with you know Vincente Luque, uh, Henry Hooft, and Gilbert Burns, right? So he, he's getting some very good looks in, in training. Um, he, he looks really solid, but my issue with him uh, fighting is he looks solid for about five minutes. I mean, he's got about like five minutes of cardio um, and then he, he slows down quite a bit. I mean, if you want to look at the Julian Marquez fight uh, that he had on, um, on the contender series in his first appearance, uh, he slowed down so much there um, in round two. And then got stopped. And I know you could say, well, he went grapple heavy there. Uh, that's still a concern because, you know, grappling is is one of the key components to his game. He's a Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu brown belt. Uh, he's a junior national uh, college champion from Iowa. And it shows in his MMA game, you know, despite the fact that he's still relatively green, he's only got about 10 pro fights himself. You know, he's he that's one of the stronger parts of his game, I personally would feel. Um, and I do think he's the better wrestler and grappler in this matchup. So I do think that his, his camp... Um, should maybe look to go to the ground because even though I think that Phil is a, a solid, uh, very solid striker, a good striker, um, you know, his durability is still concerned for me because in addition to the, the Marquez fight, he also looked like he was hurt there uh, by Lewis Taylor there. It went down as a guillotine stoppage choke, but uh, he, he looked to be hurt. And, you know, going along with that, he keeps his chin very high when trading in the pocket, you know, hurt by Marquez and in, in one of the opening exchanges. And then again, uh, at the beginning of round two, uh, it wasn't just the head kick sequence that he was hurt in in that fight. Um, and like I said, Malcoon, uh, I haven't seen anything on tape that's like he's like this crazy one punch KO threat. Uh, but like I said, pro boxing experience, he looks like a solid, or I'd say rather a good technical striker himself with some countering proficiency um, and combination striking ability. He can maybe exploit that again, despite the fact that that Hawes is the better fighter here. Those intangibles of the cardio and the durability can very well be enough for Malkoon to win this fight. Uh, you know, we, we see it with fighters. Even Mirsad Bakhtik comes to mind, you know, right? He's a guy that skill set-wise, he's tremendous. But sometimes the, the intangibles uh, affect him in a matchup and he ends up losing. 
Uh, we like the the Damon Jackson fight. He got very tired. Um, he's a similar fighter in that skill set wise. He's very talented, but again, the, the cardio and the durability. And then even with a guy like uh, as recently as we saw Tom Breeze a couple of cards ago, a tremendous fighter. When he's on, he he is just so good. But then sometimes the intangibles, the outside the cage stuff, uh, weighs in on his performance and and, and hinders him. Unfortunately. Um, Again, I don't think that's a good thing by any means, but I'm just telling you uh, how how I see this and how and, and what I think about about Haas because Haas is an excellent talent. It's just again that the cardio is a huge concern. There's reason to think that it got better with training at Sanford MMA. Um, you know that could be a less those could be lessons learned for him, and that he was just very green in that point in his career, only a few fights in. Um, but I would like to see it first before I make an assumption on like, oh yeah, his cardio is great. Or, oh yeah, he, he's not willing to trade in the pocket with his chin high up. You know what I mean? Like I, I want to like to see that first before I make some kind of assumption, like, oh yeah, he's already fixed it up. Cause, uh, like I said, on the feet, I do think he could have a lot of success with his good technical striking. He utilizes a hard low kick. Uh, he's the more varied striker of the two. Um, he's got the superior footwork as well. And he packs some power himself. So even though Malkoon uh, hasn't been knocked out, again, only 4-0, uh, he still might be able to get the stoppage there in round one. And that's ultimately the, the pick that I'm going to make here. I'm going to ultimately side here with the, the fighter that I think is the superior one. And I, again, it's not to say Malkoon is a bad fighter. I think he's talented and has a lot of potential. I just think that Hawes, there is a reason why a lot of people are excited about him as a prospect. And it's not to say that those people uh, don't have an informed opinion or they're, that they're uh, you know picking him for the sake of picking him. No, there's, there's a lot of reasons to – uh, think that that Hawes could be, you know, achieve a lot. You know, even there's there's just some fighters that don't put it together. Another example that comes to mind is Justin Scoggins, right? You you watch the guy fight; he is tremendous, uh, but unfortunately, he's no longer with the with the promotion, and you know, he would lose some fights just due to due to some errors that were being made, or or you know, some other stuff that went down. But like I said, on a fight to fight basis, when, when picking these fights, I'm going to pick the fighter that I just think skill wise is better. And that is Phil Hawes here. But like I said, it is a hesitant pick here because the cardio and the durability um, and, you know, that that very well could be enough for him to lose. But again, fighter that's faster, better athlete, better striker, superior, again, superior footwork, varied, uh, better, a better wrestler, better grappler. Uh, I'm going to ultimately side with that fighter to win here. Um, so I think he probably gets it done inside the first round. So. That's the side I will take there. Uh, Alexander Volkov taking on Walt Harris, a heavyweight fight. Uh, yeah, you know, I'm intrigued with this one because I think it's a, a just a very similar type of MO fight for Harris. Um, you know, history has shown that uh, he could win in the first round because he's athletic and he will have the athleticism and speed advantage here. Um, he could win this fight by knockout in the first round. If he can't knock Volkov out, I think Volkov is going to win. If he can't knock him out in the first round, I just I think that, uh, Volkov is going to win because Harris has shown historically that he slows down as the fight progresses, his output gets noticeably uh, lower. And if you want to look at the Overeem fight, he got he got very tired there very early on trying to finish Overeem. You know, so no doubt about it, the guy's got a tremendous amount of power. He's fast. He's athletic. Um, he can win this fight inside round one. If he doesn't, though, I just think that Volkov is just the better. Uh, range striker here. Uh, Volkov is longer, even though uh, Harris is a, a big guy, 6'5". Um, Volkov is just the better striker at range, um, more varied of the two, uh, craftier, higher output, uh, more experienced as a striker, um, and just the, the better round winner, I'd say, of the two. You know, And even if you want to take it to the grappling, you know, even though Volkov doesn't really look to offensively wrestle, 
Um, if, if Harris is very tired, I would not be surprised to see Volkov look for a takedown or two here. You know, he has shown that capability from the body lock. Um, and even against the fence, he took down Curtis Blades from a double leg there um, in, in the fourth round, I believe, of their fight. So if, if Harris is very tired, um, Volkov could definitely take this fight to the ground and get in top position here um, and, and put his Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu skills, a uh, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu brown belt uh, to uh, fourth and then get the get the stoppage here on the ground. You know, we've seen Harris uh, just in his last fight against Overeem was stopped there on the ground, was mounted. Um, Fabricio Verdum fight, it was a while ago, uh, but it still happened. And, um, you know, it, it's, it's certainly possible that if Harris just doesn't knock him out early, that uh, maybe he slows down as the fight progresses and then uh, – Volkov just takes over from there. So I think that's probably how the fight goes. I know that Volkov, there's the Derek Lewis fight and something like that could happen here again, but you know, his history has shown that, you know, Harris uh, typically needs the knockout in round one, or even if you want to look at the Daniel Spitz fight, he got the, the knockout there late in round two. Um, more than likely, I think it probably needs to come in round one, but I uh, wouldn't put it past Harris to get the knockout, but I just think that Volkov here stylistically uh, just has the better round winning tools uh, potentially he could land some takedowns here and he's the, the better uh, grappler of the two and, and fights at the higher pace. So Volkov is going to be my pick uh, to win. Robert Whitaker taking on Jared Cannonier. Uh, highly anticipated middleweight fight. I think that the winner of this fight will get um, uh, get to fight Israel Adesanya. I think Dana White already confirmed that as well. Um, yeah, I think this is just a, a kind of actually similar stylistic matchup to the, to the previous one that I just went over. Um, I think that Cannoneer can win by knockout. He's got a four inch reach advantage. He's a, he's a good technical striker. He utilizes some things. He's got proficient countering ability. He's got good low kick that we, uh, we saw against Anderson Silva. He hurt his knee with, uh, he hurt Hermanson with it. He's got the ability to switch stances and he's got big power in his hands. You know, he hurt, uh, Jack Hermanson. His guy's not easy to hurt by any means. Um, and David Branch, both guys are very durable. Uh, Cannoneer was able to hurt them. He can hurt Whitaker. Whitaker's been finished more than once by, uh, you know, Israel. And uh, even if you want to go back a while to the, the Stephen Thompson fight and even, even the Earl Romero fight, right, the, the second one, he he went on to win a split decision, but he got rocked there um, more than once, you know, and, and that went to a split. So um, it's certainly possible that Jared hits him with a big shot and uh, wins, you know. Uh, in addition to that, Jared has certainly tightened up his, his takedown defense, Um uh, he utilizes, uh, um, you know, good, uh, where am I going here? Sorry. That was, yeah. Sorry. I was meant to talk about the striking defense. He keeps a high defensive guard. He utilizes good head movement. Um, and, and that has led to him, you know, looking very defensively sound on the feet. Um, and in terms of the takedown defense now, um, I actually think it's improved tremendously since moving down to 185 pounds. Uh, that actually be, used to be one of the bigger liabilities in his game. Uh, but he, he's openly said he's been working on it. And I believe him, you know, he stuffed most of the takedowns against David branch branch went three for 10. Um, and Jack Hermanson, who went one for six, he showed strong hips and good get-ups, um, at 185 pounds. and has a great initial sprawl. So, um, Whitaker would be the fighter, I think more likely of the two to have success wrestling and grappling, but there's, there's definitely a chance that he, uh, he can't even get Cannoneer down with the, uh, improvements that, uh, Cannoneer has made. Uh, you know, the wrestling and grappling has been one of the more underrated parts of Whitaker's game just because he he uses, uh, choose to use his striking more often than not. Uh, but, you know, he is definitely a solid submission grappler. Uh, and if he takes his fight to the ground, who knows, maybe he could do some damage. But more than likely, it's probably going to be won or lost in the feet uh, where, like I said, Cannonier can land the big shot. But I think that Whitaker will be the fighter more likely to win rounds here. Uh, seven years younger is Robert Whitaker um, in terms of, you know, the youth. And I also think that, you know, 
level of opposition, Whitaker's just been fighting the much higher level of opposition and defeated them. Um, you know, whether you want to compare resumes, you know, he, he beat Uriah Hall, uh, Romero twice, uh, Darren Till, you know, like uh, Brad Tavares. I mean, no doubt about it. Cannoneer's impressive uh, resume is very impressive, but I would say that of the two, uh, Whitaker has the better resume of the two. And I, I know that Cannoneer has only been UFC or the, the middleweight division for a couple of years now. And it's not to say it can't get better because it can. Uh, but just right now, what do we have to work with? And that's, that's um, in terms of just purely the stylistic matchup on the feet, you know, Whitaker to me is just the more varied and craftier striker of the two, you know, Cannonier just basically boxes and throws low kicks. Whereas, uh, you know, Whitaker utilizes some good oblique kicks, some low kicks, body kicks, head kicks, and he's got some very good hands as well, you know, and, and I know Cannonier's a very defensively sound striker, but so is Whitaker, you know, he raises a high guard. Uh, he keeps his hands low, but he's very good at reading you. And when you throw a strike at him, he can raise his guard. Uh, when he sees the opposition choose to engage, he's also got very good footwork and excellent head movement. Um, so Cannoneer can land the big shot, but I don't think it'll be easy because, uh, you know, Whitaker has uh, very good uh, footwork and, and striking defense overall. And Whitaker himself has power as well. You know, he dropped Till with a right hand. We've seen him hurt other fighters. You know, the, the head kick knockout over uh, Jacare Souza uh, knocked out uh, Brad Tavares there rather quickly years ago. Um, so they're both threatening strikers. But uh, ultimately here, I'm just going to side with Whitaker because uh, just the higher output striker of the two, more varied, uh, craftier. Um, I think he has the better footwork of the two in striking exchanges. And like I said, I don't think it'll be a huge factor in this fight, but if there are some wrestling and grappling exchanges to be to be had here, I think they will come from, from Whitaker. I think it'll be Whitaker that uh, gets the better of those and, and wins them. So uh, Whitaker is going to be the side I will take here. Um, and I think that, you know, despite the fact that he fought Israel about a year ago, um, well, we'll see. I, I don't know exactly what would happen there, but uh, I think more more likely um, if Cannonier beats Whitaker, I think it would be more of a sure thing that he gets the title shot over Whitaker. But from what Dana White said, it seems that whoever wins is going to get the, the shot. But people like to see a fresh contender, so who knows? Um, then we got the main event. We got Gaethje and uh, Nemraga Madoff. Yeah, you know um, – this is just a, a very a tremendous fight, and uh, it's another one that's a trickier matchup to break down stylistically because neither guy has really faced a guy like the other. Uh, there's been some similar stylistic comps, but not really anywhere near um, the degree uh, of, of the threat that I think they respectively will be facing here. Uh, let's start with Habib. So Habib has shown uh, – just great, great takedown ability throughout the years, right? It's improved. It was already tremendous, but it's improved. Uh, chain wrestling ability, you know, able to get take, uh, takedowns against strong defensive wrestlers in the past, uh, like Edson Barbosa, Michael Johnson, Ally Quinto. That's what I was referring to um, against similar stylistic opponents. You know, guys that are very good strikers, but have solid takedown defense in the past. Uh, more on that though in a moment. Um, you know, he's got the single leg, uh, turn lift, takedown trip ability. He utilizes Dagestani handcuff um, and in top control, he, in addition to that, looks to advance position when in top position. He is a great, great guard passer is Habib, and he will link, look to sink in both hooks right away if the back is presented, uh, which Gaethje has shown to present when getting up after getting taken down. He's got trip takedown ability from the body lock, um, hard, aggressive ground and pound in top control. Uh, does Habib have, like we saw most notably, I guess, in round two there against McGregor or many of other fights, they refer to it as the mauling uh, and single leg takedown ability. So Habib has just got a wide variety of ways to get the fight to the ground. And when he gets fighters to the ground, he does a great job of 
uh, you know, keeping them there for the most part and, and inflicting a lot of damage. He makes those takedowns count. Even if you get right back up, he just is still on you. It's tough to separate away from him. Uh, and he's been able to implement that game and, and as a result, be undefeated. And, you know, even in terms of his striking, he's improved that tremendously through the years as well. Now he could uh, switch stances and striking exchanges. He utilizes a good jab to control range. Um, you know, he, he kind of stood in trade there with McGregor, uh, which probably wasn't the best game plan, but look, it just more of a testament to how, how iron of a chin Habib has. I mean, he's shown an iron chin throughout his career. That's not to say he can't be knocked out, but uh, that's a good sign for him in this particular matchup against Gaethje, who's, who's been known to hit hard. Um, I'd say his, his footwork is, has looked great. His footwork and movement is, has looked great in striking exchanges. Um, the, the areas of his game that I, I'd say are kind of flawed with Habib is he does keep his chin high in the air. Uh, when he kind of just pulls his head straight back out of range and striking exchanges. Um, again, it hasn't cost him yet, uh, but it still is a, an area of concern. Nonetheless, uh, we even saw his chin uh, be exposed there uh, against Iaquinta as well when they were standing there in round three and round four. He doesn't always set up his takedowns. Uh, he didn't really set them up against Iaquinta on the first two attempts. Um, and he actually even struggled to take down Iaquinta in round two because he kind of slowed down there. Uh, but nonetheless, wasn't gassed or anything like that. He was content to strike where he still uh, had a lot of success. Um, so Habib, just simply put, is just an excellent fighter. Like he, it's it's not a huge surprise, like analyzing him as a fighter that he's been able to go undefeated. Like it's an impressive thing, no doubt about it. Um, it's very difficult to go undefeated in this game, let alone uh, do it through 28 fights. But, you know, he he is just, you know, he's been arguably the most dominant fighter Um you know, title defenses aside, like in the history of the division, just dominant in terms of just, um, just how he actually performs, how clear are his wins in fights? I mean, I don't think up until the McGregor fight, um, he had even lost a round, you know, in the UFC. And it's because he's very good at keeping guys, uh, down after he takes them down and, and just inflicting a lot of damage. And, uh, even if you just weather that storm and get through it, I mean, you got, a lot of damage inflicted on you. You're, you're tired as the fight goes on and, and he's just basically able to win. I mean, look at the Iaquinta fight, you know, he, he got a lot of damage done in the early part. Um, and then he stood with them for the rest of the fight and he, you know, he, he outstruck Iaquinta. Um, it, it also goes along with the fact that he's improving on the feet, but you know, he just inflicted a lot of damage and, uh, just kind of made Iaquinta worry, um, you know, inflicted damage on him and also just had him thinking about the takedown as well. So he just kind of had him, uh, just stuck there. So, um, in terms of Gaethje, I do think that Gaethje uh, is arguably, I think he is, in my personal opinion, Habib's toughest test to date. And, you know, it's for a couple of reasons. Like, one, I think that even though those guys that I mentioned that Habib took down, those strong defensive wrestlers, you know, Michael Johnson, Iaquinta, uh, Barboza, Gaethje probably has better takedown defense than those guys. Uh, even those guys have shown solid takedown defense. Gaethje probably is a little bit better. Uh, NCAA Division One wrestling background as Gaethje has. Um, he's shown very good scrambling ability when he has been taken down in the UFC um, by uh, uh, Poirier there against uh, Alvarez as well. Um, and even after even after Michael Johnson rocked him, uh, he got his back taken briefly there and was taken down, uh, particularly from Alvarez. Uh, the body lock got his back taken by Alvarez. Um, and like I said, the Poirier fight. So he has been taken down sometimes, albeit they were they were brief. And in the Johnson fight, uh, it was after he was rocked. Uh, so again, it, that could happen here, no doubt about it, but it's not necessarily something that I would rely on, uh, you know, when, when analyzing the fight. Right. Um, so that's basically the only evidence of takedown defense we have to work with, with like, yeah, he has been taken down. He does give up his back, but he pretty much just gets right back up. Like giving up your back is not, 
it, it's not a great look, especially against Habib, because Khabib could very well just take advantage of that, just sink in both hooks and then just get a rear naked choke. Um, that said, I just I think Gaethje will give Khabib a tougher time uh, to land the takedowns. And I, I do think that eventually the chain wrestling of Habib will be able to prevail and, and get Gaethje down. Um, and I, I'm interested to see how the scrambling opportunity takes place. Because, again, Gaethje might be able to get up a few times. Because uh, if you even want to go back to the Iaquinta fight, you know, Gaethje actually secured mount on Iaquinta, uh, but Iaquinta actually scrambled out of it. Um, you know, even though uh, Gaethje was still utilizing the wrestling ride there. So, like, it's it's possible that even if Gaethje gets taken out, he could just pop right back up. And even if he gives up his back, maybe, maybe it doesn't cost him. Um, and on the feet, like I said, you know, Habib is certainly improving there. Um, he's got very good footwork that he's been able to utilize, but I actually favor Gaethje there. You know, I think Gaethje hits harder. Uh, he can utilize those very good fast leg kicks. Gaethje fights at the higher pace uh, of the two on the feet. And, you know, we've seen Gaethje. He could, he could pressure you. He could kind of force a brawl, though he's kind of changed that tendency, you know, in his recent fights. Um, and, and again, just be the, the fighter fighting at a faster pace and be more threatening, you know. Uh, what does make me nervous with Gaethje, though, is even though Habib hasn't shown to be a huge power puncher, um, he has hurt some guys, yeah, but, like, for the most part, you know what I mean. Uh, just the damage that Gaethje's taken, like, he was rocked by Johnson, uh, Alvarez, Poirier. Um, you could argue that those guys hit harder than Habib, but just the, the damage that had been inflicted. I mean, if you want to go back to the, uh, the the Ferguson fight from a few months ago, Ferguson actually dropped him with an uppercut there um, in round one. So, yeah, while Habib hasn't shown to be this big power puncher, you know, the, the damage that Gaethje has taken does make me a bit nervous in that regard. Um, and, and I can see Habib, even though I favor Gaethje on the feet, I don't think it's a complete blowout of a matchup on the feet. I do. While I favor Gaethje on the feet, um, I think uh, Habib here could have a lot of success a, as well. So uh, ultimately the side I'm going to take here is Habib because um, I trust his durability more of the two. I also trust him to not take a lot of shots on the feet, uh, the more defensively sound striker, I would say. And, the, the takedowns. I do think that even though it's a bit of an unknown, uh, he has that as like a second layer to, Hey, if, if he's not having enough success on the feet, he could always go back to it. Uh, even clinch up with Gaethje and keep him in the clinch. Um, like I said, it's, it's kind of a guess. We don't know exactly how great uh, Gaethje's takedown defense will fare here against Habib. Like I said, he's been taken down a few times in the UFC, but has gotten right back up. Uh, but he's been able to get back up against guys that aren't good as grapplers. Uh, or wrestlers as Habib. So it's kind of like an educated guess. Uh, my lean is that Gate, uh, Habib could probably take him down and maybe not control him for the rest of the round. Maybe uh, Gaethje gets up a few times, but be enough to uh, to win some rounds here. I don't know what uh, Gaethje's defensive grappling is like, but assuming he just continues with the trend of just giving up his back, uh, that could potentially spell a, a rear naked choke for Habib. Um, and like I said, maybe he catches Gaethje with something in the feet. Uh, just due to the damage that Gaethje's shown. Again, he's shown a solid chin throughout his career, but just all the wars that he's been in, uh, he's just been rocked so many times. Uh, not so much in recent fights. Again, I mentioned the Ferguson one, but just if you want to go back to uh, Poirier, the Poirier, Alvarez, or Johnson fights, or even his World Series of Fighting fights, it's just a lot of damage that he's taken. So uh, I consider Gaethje a live dog, despite like the wide odds, just like I said about Kudalaba. But um, ultimately here, I'm going to side with uh, Habib, Habib Nurmagomedov to retain his title, um, become 29-0. and and we'll have to see what goes on from here on out. But uh, regardless of who wins here, I mean, this just is a, a true 
uh, statement to how tremendous this lightweight division is. I mean, you have, this is arguably uh, the most competitive division in the UFC. Um, and there's a reason for that. You just have an, an abundance of talent here uh, just up and down the ranks. So it's a tremendous uh, main event to, to headline a tremendous card. Um, and yeah, that'll do it on the breakdown UFC 254. I'm really glad that you guys listened to me. Uh, I love doing this. So uh, appreciate the kind feedback. Like I said, off the top, I have a couple plays for the event. I'm going to move in on another one. Uh, once a line gets released that I'm looking for, um, and you could purchase my place for the event at MMAOzbreaker.com on the premium pick section, uh, AJ's bets, and uh, also my website, AJ's action pack sports bets.com backslash premium hyphen subscription. Or like I said, off the top, the third party tracking set that I use betmma.tips backslash Anthony S three, six, four, including the written rationale there as well. And I'm looking to close out the year 2020 strong with my goal being uh, to win every consecutive event here to close out the year and, and maybe even continue that for 2021, but I'm going to get through this goal first and then uh, uh, set new goals after doing that. But uh, thank you guys for tuning in. I appreciate your time and uh, good luck on the event. Bye.